0: be awkward, maybe. But, you know, I was reading this week and getting over into some psalms and where David is writing a psalm and he's making a statement, there's a little word off to the side of those songs called Selah. Selah. And that's just a pause. It's just a pause. But it's that quiet place. It's that place of, you know, in a noisy world that we step into that silence to just let God put His weight on us. So we're just going to be quiet for a minute. I'm going to be quiet. I'm the only one talking. So let's just go silent for a minute. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In the world that we live in, you all can play a little bit now if you want. The world that we live in is very noisy, very chaotic. And what we've got to do as believers is we've got to find that place where we can be quiet, even if it's for a minute. Just find that place to say la, To pause There's so many times that we think that You know if I'm going to be in the presence of God I got to be telling him how much I love him How worthy he is How great he is And he loves that He loves it when his kids get it But there's also that time where he says I just want you to be quiet in my presence Because my presence can get bigger in you whenever you're quiet so it's like that second song we sing you know we got to get caught up in those holy moments Amen? amen they're holy moments they are set aside moments they are the place where God wants to just intersect who you are and where you're going and what you're doing so don't let the noise keep you from the silence amen, amen. because Jesus is king amen. he's king in that moment he is the one who brought you to that moment because he says in that moment it is finished you, now just enjoy Enjoy his presence. Father, today in Jesus' name, I thank you so much for each and every person that has not only stepped into this room today, but is watching by the internet or however they're engaging with this service. Father, I thank you that you would just continue to move in our lives. Father, we invite you in. We invite your Holy Spirit to bring us into those holy moments. And the Father will be careful to give you all glory, all praise, and all honor for all that you do in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, welcome this morning. If you would turn around and tell somebody hello, we got some friends from Texas in the house today. So say hello to somebody. All right, how's everybody this morning well we're a little light in the in the crowd today. I think it's because of the holiday weekend, right? you reckon um, man this is uh this is a big Fourth of July thing going on now. Um, anyways, with that, I'm just going to say you all are a blast okay, I guess I wore my rooster shirt today for. For y'all to just be mesmerized with that so you can't think of anything else. Good, good. Well, um, I want to welcome you. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church, one of the founding pastors, along with Pastor Lynette, who this morning is over at City Point Church over in Loveland. Her best friend, Stephanie Besh, who has spoken here before, is being ordained as the women's pastor over there. So she went to see her this morning. And um, anyways, I'm, I'm glad for Dave and Stephanie Besch for what God's doing in their life over there. Um, so that's where she's at, but I want to thank you all for being here this morning. I want to thank you for um, just being faithful to come to church. Amen? Amen. Uh, there's a lot of places you could be, but you chose here. Uh, we want to welcome our online community. We want to welcome our Satellite Church out in Merced, California, Kingdom Ranch Cowboy Church. Man, we love you guys, and we appreciate you uh, joining with us this morning. Hope you have a good time uh, that many miles away. So, in California. All right? Okay, so this is the first of the month. This is the first... Uh, weekend of the month and here at cowboy church we don't pass a hat or a plate for offering and we don't take that time but once a month we love to pray over the people who are givers who are tithers not only here but if you're a tither somewhere else or you give to other ministries um, you know we we want to pray over you we want to release some things over you and your finances how would you like god to be in the middle of your finances amen I want him to be in the middle of mine, So, and he has been for many years, but this morning I have somebody that I want to come up, that Lynette and I wanted to come up and uh, speak about offerings and pray over you guys as givers. And your generosity. So, uh, we asked Kayleen Olson, go ahead, come on up, Kayleen. And uh, she's a part of our um, kids' ministry, our next generation Gen- minister, Jen Gen- Gen- now, high junior high school. Yeah. And uh, so, she's going to gonna talk to you and pray over you uh, about finances. So, is that thing on? It is.
1: Green All right. Light. Light. Okay. Awesome. Well, good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, I was mostly excited when they asked me to do this, Um, just because I feel like tithing has always been like this battle for me and my family. Um, But it, I mean, whenever we are faithful in it, we get to see the blessings in so many ways. Um, I've been a part of this church probably for 10 years now, and I think I've served with the junior high, mostly the junior high and the high school for Eight years now, and it's been such a blessing. Every time I get to go back there, I'm just uh, absolutely amazed by the kids we have. They are incredible. Um, and when I first started serving with them, God brought me back to Genesis, right? And He brought me to good old Jacob on most days. Actually, Jacob kind of had his tr- troubles just like all of us. But He showed me, like, in the beginning of Jacob's. Um, faith journey, let's call it that, that Jacob always referred to God as the God of his fathers, as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. He never really claimed God with any intimacy or any relationship, right? And even there's one point in Genesis that he's like, well, if God provides for me and takes care of me and does all this, then he'll be my God, you know? And so that always just struck me. And as a mom, I never... Um I've always wanted my kids to have that deep relationship with God, right? And it's you can't force it on them. Like even with the junior high and high school kids, we can't, "Alright, here's all this good stuff, take it in and now you have a relationship with God." It's not it's not like that, right? But as we watch Jacob through his journey, he has this encounter, this holy encounter where he wrestles with God or with a man, right? And it's this holy encounter, and after he has this great encounter, he's changed. He's forever changed. He is no longer the same, and he claims God is my God. And then God becomes, like, my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in that wrestling match, um, God renames Jacob as Israel at that time. And then a few chapters down, we get to see that Jacob calls God El Elohim of Israel, right? So that means the God of Israel. So he finally had that intimate moment with God where he claimed him as his own. And I think that's so cool. And so why I kind of went that way is I had the opportunity and the honor to go with our high school students. And a good majority of them are back there. There we go. And I had the honor to go with them to Arkansas with Josh and Nicole to a power and love conference. And Todd White um, in Lifestyle Christianity put that on. And um, that wouldn't have been possible for a lot of our kids without the support of our tithers and givers at church. Without you guys, there would have been several kids that I don't think would have gotten to go on this trip because finances would have held them back. And you guys made that possible, and it is so amazing because I feel like for a lot of our kiddos, before they left, it was the God of their fathers. It was the God of their mother who went to church. It was the God of their grandparents that prayed for them all the time. But they had such amazing, beautiful encounters with God, they were now Is their God. That now they have that relationship, that they got those encounters, that now it is their God. And it is just the most beautiful thing because I'm sure mamas and grandmas, you guys pray for this next generation. You guys pray for your kids, fathers and brothers. Like you guys pray for our future, right? Well, it's changing, guys. There's so much hope and so much power. And Back to the tithing. You guys, we couldn't have done it without you. These kids got to see God show up in such big ways in Arkansas. They got to pray for people and watch them be healed. In Jesus' name. Like, it was so fantastic um, to watch these kids pray for people. And then these, as the people are being healed, get to see their faces. Um, I don't know, like, in their words, like, it was a mic drop. Or, um, like, wow, wow gee whiz golly wally for some of us older ones but like it was so incredible right and they got to be bold like they got to be so bold and everywhere we went for like lunch or breakfast they stepped out and prayed for people they listened to holy spirit and we went places because holy spirit told us to go places and then they were able to go there and find somebody that needed god's love it was so incredible right? We got to have, baptism was laid on a lot of these kids' hearts, and like the craziest way, we got to baptize five of our kids that we took with us in the most amazing, amazing pool over a golf course. Like, it was the crown jewel. And let me tell you, we were thinking about buying a tub from Walmart and putting water in it to baptize them, but God provided this great pool. So um, to wrap it up, guys, thank you. Thank you so, so so much for giving us this opportunity to take our kids to go have this encounter with God and to come back changed like it's amazing and thank you guys for pouring in because like our ties go everywhere so other people can have this encounter right and can have the chance to meet Jesus and let them be their God so gosh I hope that encourages you to keep giving because you guys are doing amazing work amazing work. You may not get to see it or feel it or experience with your eyes, but you are such a big part of it. So thank you so much. All right. Amen. Can I pray over you guys? Yeah. Okay. Dear heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day. God, we just thank you for your love and you, we thank you for the intimacy that you want to have with us, heavenly Father. We thank you for the relationships that you cultivate with us, Lord God, and we thank you just for bringing us constantly closer to you, God. God, we thank you for your provision. Just like Jacob said, if you will provide. We, don't, we know it's not an if. We know it is a will. You will provide for us, Heavenly Father. So we thank you so much for your provision in whatever way it may look, God. We just thank you for that. And Heavenly Father, right now, I just want to pray for boldness, God. I want to pray for boldness that when that tithing comes and that paycheck comes lord god and it's that like oh i don't know if i can give this month heavenly father i pray for boldness and i pray for trust god i pray that we write that check that we press that button on our computer screen lord god to give to you and i pray that we give with a grateful heart and i pray that we give with a heart of expectancy lord that we expect that the money that you have provided us that we are now putting back into your hands lord god we pray that with an expectancy that that'll go and do so much good into the world heavenly father for your kingdom god we thank you for that and right now god we pray that any lies of like a poverty mindset are broken off in jesus name we will not accept a poverty mindset because we are children of god We are children of God and we have ample provision because you expect you are going to give us everything good, Heavenly Father, that you have only good thoughts for us. So we break off that poverty mindset in Jesus name and we accept all of your blessings, God. And we just thank you so much for all your provision. We thank you for the amazing things that you are going to do for us and through us, Heavenly Father. And we just pray blessings over our households. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen, man. We can go home on that, can't we? Man, that's good stuff. Thanks, Kayleen. Appreciate you. Um, well, they all those uh, the, all of our high school kids, as she said, went out to Little Rock, Arkansas, to uh, go to a school of power and love. And uh, several years ago, it's been almost ten years ago. I uh, uh, was out in Ohio. Uh, at a friend's church, just uh, just being there. And I knew that that was in Monroe, Ohio. I knew just up the road in Dayton, Ohio, that there was a school of power and love going on the same time that I was there. So I decided to go to the school of power and love for one day. And I walk in and register, pay my pay my money to be there. And they slid a sheet of paper across to me and they said, Okay, you have to sign this paper. This paper says that you will participate in all that goes on inside the auditorium. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> they're gonna make me do stuff. And and so I called Lynette, I said, Lynette, I'm I'm here, I'm at this this school of power and love. And they're gonna make me do stuff. And uh so sure enough, you know, in in the service, they had me uh, pair up with an older gentleman that I had no idea who he was, knew nothing about his life, and they said, "All right, now you're going to pray for one another, and you're gonna you're going to speak a word from God, whatever God drops into your heart about them. I want you to to, to pray over them." And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I mean, th- my um, introvert self really was pushed to the max and, and so I do you mind if I tell you this? it's, it's kind of a cool thing uh, I didn't know this man from Adam and, and so I'm praying for him and then all of a sudden God gave me a word for him God gave me the word popcorn <laughs> I mean I'm not talking to Oval Redenbacher here I know because I've seen his picture <laughs> and I think he's dead but he gives me this word, popcorn, to this guy. So I'm like, okay, man, I don't know what this means or anything, but uh, God said popcorn? And as soon as I said that, God released the rest of the word. Because I was obedient to say the one word that I had had nothing to do with anything, it seemed. And God said, your grandchildren are being taught my spirit when you have them on the weekend and you watch, you watch uh, cartoons and eat popcorn with them. And he said, we do that every Friday night. My kids, my grandkids come over and spend that time and we eat popcorn. That's the first thing they ask for. I was like, Whew. God, you're good. You are good. So, you know, I just encourage you that if, if you're praying for somebody and God gives you a, a weird word, don't go right past it, speak it out, and God will bring you more. Amen? All right, I don't know why I said all that, but it's so cool. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you today, if you would go over to First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17 is where I'm going to go this morning. It's good to be back in the pulpit. I've been gone for a while, uh, took a little trip out to Oklahoma and, and um, see my mom and, and um, man, I just, I've just been honored in this series that we've been doing. We've been doing a series called Where Are My Davids? And it's such an honor to get to see and get to hear the speakers that have carried this series forward over the last seven or eight weeks, I guess it is. So if, if you've been here during that time, um, are you all enjoying the series? Man, there was so much good stuff. There is so much good stuff that has come out, and and um, so um, I thought today I was closing it out, but uh, Lynette has a word for you next week. She's, she's working on one, too, so she'll close out the series, and we'll move forward in our summer, okay? Um, Trey Johnson is going to be here on the 17th of July. If you all have never seen Trey, uh, heard him speak, man, it's going to be good, so put it on your calendar, July 17th. And then, uh, at the end of the month, our very own Kirsty Wegley is going to be speaking so um, anyways're we 're excited for that. so with that, you at first Samuel chapter seventeen yeah. we are we have been talking about the life of David, and we've been talking about um, you know this series being birthed out from our prayer team that that God began to cry out, "Where are my Davids?" and when we started developing this series we knew that it wasn't going to be a series based upon calling the gender of men out to be the, to, to be david because david david's life inspires us right is when we read about him read all the stories about him he inspires us especially as men i mean i think i've ever i've heard every Every men's conference that I go to, that somebody talks about David because he's such an uh, inspiration to, to men. But when you begin to talk about his character, uh, begin to talk about who he is as a king, as a warrior, as a, as a worshiper, what we sometimes think about David is that David is some kind of superhero. Are you with me? He seems like some some guy that's just got this super thing about him that he's like this superhero or superman. But let me tell you something, David was human. He's human. And the things that we are inspired by in who he is, it's because God puts his super upon David's natural. And and that's what it's about. That's why we're saying, "Where am I, David?" because God can put his super on your natural, whether you are male or female, amen. amen, there, there is, in his character, there is no class, there, uh, a financial class, there's no, um, uh, you know, uh, culture, there, there, there's no gender, it's all about his character and nature, and it's what we can uh, conceive on the inside of us when we read about David's life, whether you're male or female, amen, so God said this in Acts chapter 13, this is our text scripture, it says, when he had, uh, And when he, God, had removed him, Saul, talking about King Saul, that he raised up for them David as king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Amen? Amen. Are you awake this morning? Yes. All right, let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for awake people, not woke people, <laughs> awake people, Father, that can hear your word, that they can see the things that you have for them through the life of, of people in the Bible, uh, God, especially David, Father, I thank you so much that we have the ability to hear your word and your word makes us free. Father, I thank you so much for your Son Jesus and all that He's done and given us the Holy Spirit, so that we can understand and hear what Your Word says. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Today, what I want to talk to you about here in the Where Are My David's is, um, if I were to title this, it would be "Stewarding God Moments." Stewarding God moments. Uh, in the In the life of David, what I saw what I see when I read his life and these stories that come is that David knew how to steward god moments. God would take him into moments, and David just from a little boy, from a young man, he knew how to steward god 's moments and he knew how to put them into himself. to to bring about a bigger capacity to handle who God is and how God speaks. Amen? And so, um, when I was reading this, um, here in Acts chapter 13, I love how God says, or how the Word says, that to whom, talking about David, also he, God, gave testimony about David. He gave testimony. God is proclaiming a testimony over David. It's not David's testimony to God of God. It is God's testimony of David. I don't know about you, but I want God to, to have a good testimony of me. I don't want God to go, man, he was stupid. Did stupid things. He, he was, you know, just in this world for himself. He was, you know, that guy was narcissistic. I, I don't want that kind of stuff, you know? I want God to be able to, I, I want to go get a book out of the library in heaven about my life, and God say, this is a good testimony right here. Amen? amen, amen. So, God it says, God gave testimony of David. The, the word testimony means this, to affirm that one has seen, heard, or experienced something. A lot of times we give testimony because we hear, we see, we experience something from God. But God is giving testimony of David saying that he's seen, heard, and experienced something in David. In, in just a human. And so he, uh, the, the definition goes on and says, It is known, testimony, it is known because it was imparted by divine revelation or divine inspiration. That's what a testimony is. A testimony is one of those things that come through experiencing. It's from, from seeing and hearing those things from God. So uh, a testimony, for us, a testimony is birthed out of God moments. God moments. I, I love these the God moments because God moments are the place where God intersects who we are and what we're doing on this earth in this lifetime. When God intersects those things, it becomes a God moment in our life. You know, some people uh, some people a lot of times think that, the, you know, they would call a God moment, um, they would call it a coincidence. It, you know, for some reason and purpose, it is a coincidence, but I don't really believe in coincidences so much. Because in Christianity, I feel like there's no coincidence. I believe that a God moment is a God wink. God comes into our life and He goes, tch, tch. There you go. There's your moment. This is where our lives cross paths. And, and God wants to intersect our lives whether, he is, uh, whether we're aware of it or not. I think every one of us, when, when you gave your life to Jesus, when you realized that Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and being resurrected from the dead, that is a God moment. Because when we believe that, he said, you can be born again. And the only person that can make you born again is God. Amen? Amen. So I'm, I feel like I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding right now. <laughs> but... But that's what it is. That's, you know, whether we're aware of God or not in that moment, it's still God. And he's still winking in that moment. Amen? Amen. So uh, before I get into the, to the scripture here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, last weekend we went to the Stampede, uh, Greeley Stampede out here. Who all was there last week? Wow, good, good, good crowd if you weren 't there then um, i I ministered a message last week at the stampede called Seven and a Half and feet away and the if you weren 't there i 'm going i 'm going to hurry through this because i 've got a long way to go and a short time to get there um, um, I, what What my message was about was when the disciples after Jesus is resurrected from John chapter 21 Jesus is resurrected he is visiting his disciples revealing himself the bible says revealing himself to his disciples from from the time of the resurrection until right now that's all god wants to do in our lives he wants to he wants to reveal jesus in who we are so jesus is on the shore the, uh, the, um, there's a few of the disciples, seven of the disciples are in a boat trying to catch fish. Peter is the main one. They're fishermen. They, they fished all night and, and they were a little disappointed that Jesus was showing up to other disciples, but not them. But that morning, as the sun comes up, there's a man standing on the shore, which is Jesus. And he hollers out to them. Um, you know, have you caught any fish today? They said no, and he says, cast your net on the other side of the boat, seven and a half feet. That's what the size of the boats were back in that day, twenty-four to twenty-seven foot long by seven and a half feet wide. And they went in seven and a half feet, caught a hundred and fifty-three fish. Large fish. It says they couldn't even get it into the boat; it was so heavy. And so they caught these fish, a hundred and fifty-three fish. Now, at the end of my message last week, I, I said, you know, I don't know why 153. 153, what the heck does that mean? I dug around and found out that there, you know, they say that there was 153 species of fish in the, in the Sea of Galilee at that time. And so they caught one of every species. I thought that was kind of cool. And, and it really just spoke to um, the disciples as that they would win the world. Every species, every uh, ethnic background of, of the world that the pictures of men would catch. Amen? Amen. So uh, that was my take on things. Later that day, I'm in my easy chair watching golf, and I get a text. And a text of a testimony that, that from, from the stampede that morning, from my message. And there was a a lady there that at the end of service responded to the salvation call that that I that I gave. She responded to the salvation call, but there was a reason that that happened with her. Um it, it's so cool. God is so cool. She uh, from my understanding, she didn't even uh she she'd been invited to church, but she really didn't want to come to church that morning, but there was just something that drove her to come out. Well, her car drove her there. Uh, but it was more of a decision that drove her to come and, and listen to the message that morning. And, um, you, you know, as, as baffled as I was and, and thinking it's about the 153 fish, um, I kept talking about the 153 fish. Well, there was something in that which I was saying that really impacted her heart. Um, She is a a member of uh, one of our surrounding communities, and she is an undercover police officer in one of our other towns. And it was so cool how God used the message in that moment to bring a God wink into her life. Because as an undercover police officer, as a police officer, she has been given a badge. And that badge has a number, and the number of her badge is 153. So anytime somebody calls her on the radio, anytime that there's things going on, the other officers are communicating with her, they call her 153. And so when God, Jesus, is revealing himself to the disciples in this message in John 21, every time that I would say that, about the 153, she said, Jesus is talking to me, he's revealing himself to me, because my pageant number is 153, and he's calling me. And therefore, she responded. And when she responded, God saved her. Man, I'll tell you what, guys. God is good, He is so good. He is so good. That was a God moment. It was a God moment. It was a place where God intersected her life and in that moment changed everything. But now it's time to steward that God moment it's time for not only for her to take care of it but to know that we have to to steward. God's moments. We just can't let them pass. We've got to keep them moving forward. Amen. So, so with that, that's what, what I'm talking about today. And, and here in 1 Samuel chapter 17 is the story of David and Goliath. Now, I think that even if you've never been to church, you probably know the story of David and Goliath. I mean it's it's used in so many different metaphors in our in our life in entertainment in sports that there's a, a David and Goliath moment going on because the the underdog is coming up against the giant um victory uh and and it looks pretty bleak for the weak one but God's story here with David and Goliath is David defeated Goliath amen and so with that this is the story of David and Goliath, and, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I want to read some a lot of scripture here out of First Samuel chapter 17. If you uh, would, I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so um, it's a little bit di- it may be a little bit different than yours. So let's go to verse 19, First Samuel 17:19. It said, "David's brothers were with Saul uh, and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines." So David left the sheep, left his sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with gifts. His dad had given him things to take to his brothers who were at the battle. He he left there with gifts as Jesse, his father, directed him. He arrived at the camp just about... uh, just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. They got themselves all worked up and they're ready to go fight. It says, uh, Soon the Israelites and the Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army, and David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and he hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the armies of Israel. Now, here's where things get a little bit weird in this scripture, is that uh, what I'd heard is there, this was written more of, as poetry than as scripture. So, something skips here. From verse 24 to verse 25, there is uh, almost a flipping. Verse 26 and 25 should be flipped. So, we're going to read verse 26, and then we'll go back to 25. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. So, verse 24 says, As soon as the Israelite army saw him, Goliath, they began to run away in fright. Verse 26. David asked the soldiers standing nearby... What will a man get for killing this Philistine and uh, ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy, defy the armies of the living God? Now verse 25. The, the men say, the armed, other guys in the army and his brothers say, Have you seen this giant? The, man, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give the man one of his daughters. Now, how would you like that as a 17-year-old boy? 17-year-old boy says, I've seen the king's daughters. They're hot. There's some motive. (laughs) He will give the man one of his daughters for a, a wife and and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Amen. I mean there's another great motive. So let's skip on down to verse 31. It says then David questioned the reported uh, uh, so David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine. David uh, David told Saul I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David said, uh, David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, "And, and when a lion and a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock... I go out after it, club it <laughs> with a club, and uh, uh, rescue it from the lamb, rescue the lamb from his mouth. I'm talking oaky right now. I'm reading kind of oaky ish right now, so just bear with me for a minute. It says if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and the club and club it to death. I have done this to, to both lions and bears, and I'll do, I'll do it to this pagan philistine, too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented and said, All right, go ahead. He said, May the Lord be with you. Now, here is this probably 17-year-old boy that says, You know, your armies are running from this this dude. Uh, he's pagan. The, the King James Version says that he is an uncircumcised Philistine, which means he has no covenant with God. And if he don't have no covenant with God, he don't have the protection of God. I do have the protection of God. God's proved himself with the lion and the bear, given me the ability to kill it with my bare hands. This Lion and the bear are much harder to kill than this dude. I'll go kill your giant for you. I'll go do it. And there was the God moment, the God moment there in verse thirty-five is he says, "I'll go, you know, I'll go after with the the lion and the and and the bear. I'll go after it with the club. I'll catch it. I'll club it with a club. I'll grab him by the beard. It says, grab it right there. I mean, he, he comes, the lion comes at him. He just, Pfft. <laughs> bear comes at him. He grabs him. Pfft. And." God protects him. God is protecting him. When David talks about that to Saul, about going and killing Goliath, that is his recall. That is his testimony. I killed the lion and the bear. The lion and the bear didn't have no power over me. I killed that. I can kill Goliath in the same way. See, David didn't see Goliath as a giant defeat. He didn't see Goliath as a giant loss. David, because of his covenant with God, because God had intersected his life with the lion and the bear, because God had intersected his life and proven himself in that battle, he said, God is going to prove himself in this battle. This, my testimony, I, he begins to fight before he goes to Goliath. He begins to fight with his testimony already. It's not the club that was his weapon. It was, it was God's faithfulness. That became his testimony. And he says, this giant will not win. It will not win. It was in this story and so many other stories about David that I began to see what a great, um, how, he, how good he was at um, stewarding God moments. The fight with the lion and the bear were God moments. It wasn't because David was so good. It was because it was a God moment. It's because God is good. It was God, God was so good to him and just a human being. David wasn't supernatural, but God's super on his natural is what gave him the testimony, that gave him the confidence, that gave him the ability to war against this giant and take him down. Yes. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and it was from that moment on, because David was a steward of God's. Moments, that he learned how to strengthen himself in the midst of those things. He learned how to strengthen himself with Goliath. He learned how to strengthen himself with Saul trying to kill him. He learned how to strengthen himself when his own mighty men wanted to kill him. He learned how to strengthen himself when um, his own son tried to kill him. David learned how to strengthen himself by valuing the God moments that God had given him in his life. Those God moments were his testimony. And his testimony became his shield of faith when he stepped on the battlefield. Amen? Amen. So how do we steward How do we steward God moments? I'm so glad you asked. I have four keys to how God wants us to steward His moments. Are you ready? Number one. The number one way to steward God moments is being present in the moment. Being present in the moment. What does that mean? the other day, at, uh, Friday, I was I was at the gym and um, I'm, you know, I'm putting this message together and I'm going, I don't know how to, to navigate this message. I don't even know if it's, a, on Friday, I don't even know if it's the right message. And so I'm struggling within myself and I'm standing there in the gym and my wife comes up behind me and and I said, man, I'm just carrying so much weight for the message this weekend. And she says, you know what? You need to be in the. You need to be present in the moment you're in right now. You're thinking about things to come, and you're not being present in the moment right now. I mean, at the gym. I mean, I kind of want to. I kind of It's tough, and I want to gap myself, you know. But she said, "Look, you can either get in this moment right now, or you can, you know, go to the car." I love my wife. So I decided to push away, and be in the moment. And as I was in the moment, at the gym, God began to strengthen this message on the inside of me. Amen. You gotta be. You gotta be present in the moment. Uh, when we're present, when we're present in the moment, there our five physical senses come into the place of being present, because. Uh, I believe with all my heart that when you're present with God, when you're, when you're present in a moment and you're present with God, God will help you to see things naturally. He lets you hear things naturally. He lets you feel things naturally. Some people say, you know, when you get saved and you're living by faith, your feelings don't your feelings don't have anything to do with it. No, no, no. I don't believe that at all. God gives us those feelings. We just can't be led by those feelings. We're led by the Word of God, but we're not led by our feelings. But the feelings are there. There's so many times, you know, I shared that testimony from from the Stampede with with one of our co- or both of our coaches at the gym, and and my coach Ryan, he he goes, ooh. Oh, goosebumps! He said, uh, "It just gave me chills. That was so cool." He knows, or he was feeling the presence of God in that moment. David, when when he was uh, when he was being present in that moment, he's telling King Saul. He says, "Look, uh, you know, I I'm seeing this man out there defying the armies of God and." I hear what he's saying. I see him and hear him, and it doesn't matter. I'm going to go kill that sucker. See, when we're present in the moment, we can feel God. I mean, he's the one that gave us the physical senses. He's the one that gave us the smell. He gave us the, 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 the feel, the, the hearing, the seeing. He's, he's given us all these things for us to be checked by so that we can be in the moment so that we can hear we can be aware in that moment of god here with us that was jesus that, that's what the that's what the angel told jesus mom and dad to name him he will be called emmanuel god with us so many times we put this gap between you know, god's in heaven jesus is in heaven and so But he gave you the Holy Spirit. That's his his spirit on the inside of you. And his spirit on the inside of you will make you feel his presence. Amen? All right. See, we have to be intentional to be aware of our surroundings, to be able to feel, to see, to hear. Because that is the foundation of who we are on the inside. That is who we are. And that's what divine inspiration brings. Number two. Number two. Who is the author of the moment? See, when we're present in that moment, we got to, and, and our feelings start rising up on the inside of us. We've got to know who the author of that is. Because if it's driven by fear, if it's driven by worry, if it's driven by confusion, if it's driven by procrastination, the author is not God. The author is the enemy. But if, it's, if, if what we're feeling in that moment is confidence and empowered and compassion and empathy, that's God. That's God. And so what happens is we, we realize who the author is of what we're in the midst of, in that moment that we're in the midst of. That's where we know if it's God. See, in in 1 Samuel 17, 32, here in this story, it says, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Let no one's heart fail. What is he saying? He's saying... Let no one... I'm watching the fear that's happening in our army. I'm watching the fear. I'm watching the confusion. I'm watching the procrastination. They had been out there for 40 days on the battlefield, but not one battle has taken place because twice a day for 40 days, Goliath has come out there and spit his stuff out. And David is standing there and he's going, God's the author on the inside of me. The fear that those other guys are feeling, they are missing the God moment here. Amen? I, um, I, was, I was looking at this thing and listening to what God wanted me to do today. He said, you know, God moments are born out of courage and strength. That's where, that's where um, that, um, we can understand who the author is because it's courage and strength. I was listening to one of my favorite ministers on a podcast. His name is Erwin McManus. And Irwin McManus said this in one of his deals. He said, um, "He said, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the absence of self. When we have that courage, when we know that God is authoring um, this condition or the place that we're at, it is an absence of self. We have to give all of our self over to God so that God can come in and bring the strength that we need to take down the giants in our life. Amen? Amen. Let's go on to, verse, let's go on to uh, number three. Number three is what's being in, what is being required in the moment. Anytime that God takes us into those moments, those God moments, there is something that he requires. That word require there for, for this means obedient. We've got to be obedient to what God is telling us. See, in Acts chapter 13, 22, which is our text uh, scripture, uh, he, God says about David that David will do all that I ask him to do. This is a man after God's own heart. This man that's after God's heart will do what God wants him to do. He's obedient. In that moment, he's going to do or we should be doing everything that's required. Um, God is looking for us, not um, for, for every one of us. God is looking for us to embrace his word with everything that's in us. In our moments, in those times, we have got to go to His Word. His Word is what leads us, guides us, and directs us. His Word is what the Holy Spirit responds to in our life. The Bible even says it's what His angels in heaven respond to in our life. When we are obedient to God's Word, His angels uh, respond and His Spirit responds. So we have to be um, we have to be obedient in the midst of those things. See, David chose his staff and sling to go out and kill Goliath. He did not choose the untested armor that Saul wanted to put him in. Saul said, "Here's my armor. Get in that." You know, David brought David brought food, and that's all he brought. He didn't bring any you know, armor. He didn't bring a sword. He didn't bring a twenty-two. He brought. His staff and sling. And he said, I can't I can't do that armor stuff. I just give him my staff and sling, because that's where that's where my courage is. That's where my confidence is. That's where my strength is. And so, so David went out and killed Goliath because he was obedient to take what God gave him to take. See, God is looking for us to embrace his word with everything that's on the inside of us. James chapter 2, verse 20 says. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works. Faith without obedience. We, we know that God wants to protect us. We know God wants to do through us. He wants to put his super upon our natural. But the thing about it is, is our faith without obedience is dead. It's, it don't work. Faith don't work. Faith operates by our obedience. And that's where God moments are driven. Amen. Number four: When is the right time for the moment? So we're being present in the moment. We're we're being um, we're we're finding out who the author is. We're finding out the obedience of that. Now, when is the right time? Have you ever heard somebody say, "Timing is everything"? Yeah. I mean, I believe that there are men, men. I believe that there are questions that our wives ask us that there is no right answer to. And if we try to answer that out of the timing that it's given, it gets us in trouble. Right? Am I the only one? My son is laughing at me because he knows my relationship with my wife too. But, you know, people say timing is everything. God moments are never random, but they're always perfect. And what God wants us to do, uh, you know, David, for, for David, he could have just ran onto the battlefield. I mean, without saying anything to anybody. He's like, this guy can't take down no one. I can take him down. He could have just ran on the battlefield. But, but David didn't do that he asked the other soldiers, what, what will a man get if he kills this giant? He goes to Saul and says, you know, or Saul calls him in and, and he says, you know, what can I do? I'll go kill, I will kill your giant for you. But David didn't just run into the battlefield. He waited on the right time. Because when we wait on the right time, God is able to push everything clear so that you can do what he's telling you to do. David waited. He went through all the proper channels. Uh, Once again, I was listening to this podcast by Erwin McManus, and he said this. He said, courage is developed in the context of integrity. Courage is developed in the context of integrity. Integrity, so many times, requires us to go through the right channels. And, and I mean, we can take a word from God and we can just run with it. But there's integrity involved in what God tells you to do. Just like the, that man at the School of Power and Love. I mean, I could have said something to him uh, beforehand. But it was in that right moment, at that right time, that God released that moment through me. Amen? Amen. Are you all getting this? Yes. Um, David waited until the king gave him the authority of the battlefield. See, the battlefield wasn't his. The battlefield belonged to the king. The battlefield, Goliath was coming out and, and usurping his integrity by coming onto the battlefield. But it was when King Saul gave David the battlefield is whenever David had authority in the battlefield and the timing was right and he smoked Goliath. Amen? We have to wait on the right timing. Uh, um, A couple of years ago, Lynette and I both and other uh, uh, communicators up here talked about um, the two Greek words for time in the New Testament the Greek word kairos and chronos anytime you see the word time in the in the new testament it's either going to be kairos or chronos the word chronos is where we get our word chronograph which is like our watch or a clock it's measured time that's what chronos means in the greek it's measured time but kairos means an appointed time it wasn't a random time it was appointed it was set for when it fits. God can give you a kairos moment with him that is not for now, but for somewhere down the line. And so um, kairos means an appointed time or a right moment or at the opportune time. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 in the Message Bible, it says this, a right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. The right word at the right time. <clears throat> I, I like what the, the New King James says there. It says, a word fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken. The word fitly, uh, it's, it means basically a puzzle piece it's, you know, God moments are, are like a puzzle piece to be held until they fit into the Kronos. Kairos is a moment made to fit at a certain time. Amen? Amen. Amen. Proverbs fifteen twenty three from the Passion Translation says, Everyone enjoys giving great advice, but how delightful it is to say the right thing at the right time, see God wants to um, wants to encounter us in his God moments and wants to use them for the right time. Your testimony can be used for the right time. A word from God needs to be used at the right time. I think about what happened last weekend at the stampede I had two messages that I was thinking about over the last several months, two messages that I was thinking about preaching there. And even on Friday, before I preached the message last Sunday, I'm struggling, which message do I bring? Had I brought the other message at that time, it probably wouldn't have impacted the lady like it did. But when I heard from God and He said, do this... Sunday morning was the right time and he intersected what he wanted to say through the message with the lady coming to the stadium. It was a perfect God moment. The perfect God moment. So those four keys that we just mentioned is being present in the moment, who is the author of the moment what is required in the moment and when is the right time for the moment see God gave testimony about David because David was a pursuer of his heart David was pursuing him every one of us as Christians have been given the right to pursue God because it's in that pursuit of God. It's in that place that God intersects our lives. And when he intersects our lives, he is giving us this moment to steward. How are we going to do that? How are we going to steward that? We need to let, him, let God be God. I mean, you know, that's, that sounds so mysterious and that sounds so weird sometimes. But we do, we have to let God be God in our life and then we respond to him. And when we respond to him and and taking care of and being aware, I like what Lynette says, being aware of his there. Because God is with us all the time. He's always talking to us. And it's up to us to take that time to, to be in that place, be present in the moment so that we know how God wants to use us all the time let me tell you something David all the stories that we read about they're just moments in in his 70 years of life on this planet these are just moments but God walked with him every day David walked with God every day we need to walk with God every day and allow ourselves to understand that God just doesn't want to intersect us. God does not just want to give us a moment on Sunday. He wants to give us a moment every day. All day. And it's up to us to recognize those things. Being aware, the awareness of His thereness, Being aware of who He is. Because when we do that, our life becomes God's testimony. So when, when, <clears throat> when God asks the question, where are my Davids, God is asking the question of us stewarding his moments for us to be aware of who he is. Where are my Davids? They're in his presence. That doesn't mean you've got to be praying on your knees for six hours a day. God's there driving down the road with you. He sees you when you flip somebody off. But He wants better for us than that. Being aware of His there will give us patience and love towards people. Amen. Because God wants to be in the middle of who you are. He wants your life to be a testimony and he wants to, he wants to tell everyone, look at this one, look at this one. They know how to steward my moments. Amen. Did you get anything out of that today? Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for our moments that we get to spend with you together in a, in a setting like this. But God, you said, you told us, you told us in your word that we are people that need to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That the gospel is not meant for church alone. The gospel is meant for the world. So Father, I pray that you would bring us out of this state of preaching the gospel to the church and and, uh, demanding perfection from the world. Father, help us to to flip those things over. That we would, in the church, be perfected and in the world, preach the gospel. So Father, I, I pray, God, as we... Move forward, Father. I thank you for your Son Jesus. I thank you that He went to the cross and died for us, and was resurrected from the dead, so that we could be, um, so that we could be right with you, Father. And I pray that God we would embrace those moments, that we would love those moments that that you have given us, being our Father, being our Papa, being our Daddy. That you want us to embrace those moments, so that they become a testimony the world. So Father, I pray right now, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that's never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of their life, they've never um, began a relationship with them, uh, with, with Jesus, Father, I pray right now that they would begin to make that decision. If you've never received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today he's calling you, would you come and follow me, is what he's saying, would you come and follow me? And all you got to do is say yes. All you got to do is begin to follow him and you will become born again. Your address, your spiritual address when you die will change from hell to heaven if you'll just say yes to him today. Father, I pray for those that are saying yes this morning either in this room or on our podcast or, or on our live feed Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would begin to change them. Father, that, that there would be there would be an outward expression of an inward change when they say yes to you, God, when they start following you. That is their outward expression of their inward change. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. I thank you for your spirit. And today, God, I thank you for your people that would be present when you're saying Where are my Davids? I give you glory and honor and praise for all the fruit that's born out of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen.